follow. So yesterday, Shushant Singh Rajput's uh, news of his death uh, sent shockwaves throughout the industry, bringing the focus back to mental health. So today we have on the show Urvashi Govardhan, who is an actress uh, from Bangalore and does a lot related to mental health. So welcome to the show, Urvashi. Thank you so much, Anurag, for having me. Yeah, uh, so please tell us a bit about your journey so far, uh, just to get things started. So my journey has many aspects, but I limit it to um, the journey in terms of mental health. So I would say, looking back now that I've had struggles with anxiety and depression since I was 14 years old, and it's very common for symptoms to begin around that age. Um, I saw several psychologists here and there on and off when I was younger, when I was still in school. Um, and then I moved to the US for college. And I think for the seven years that I was in the US, four years of college and three years after that, my mental health just kept getting worse. And what were I you did studying? have access to some, I was studying computer science. Okay. So I was in a very competitive college also, and I had access to the college counselors, but I don't think it was enough. Um, and then I started blaming my circumstances for my mental health. I said, okay, it's just the college stress, it's just the job stress, it's just, you know, homesickness. And so I made all those changes, right? I finished college, I got a job, I moved back to India, I quit my job, and still that feeling didn't go away, which is when I thought, you know, maybe I need to check whether I need medication or not. Because, you know, if a psychiatrist tells me that I'm imagining it, then fine, I will work harder, try harder, do better. But I just need to know whether I'm imagining this problem or if it's real. So that was the first time I sought, uh, sought out a psychiatrist who can prescribe medication. And that was in 2017. So I've been recovering since then. So three years now. All right. And you've been part of the showbiz industry. Uh, so you are an actor. So what was your first reaction to the news that uh, was it able to sink in quickly? Like, you know, an actor of that reputation, suddenly we come to know that he was struggling since six months, he was in depression. So what was your first reaction? My first reaction, honestly, was, oh my God, not again. Because I've seen this happen with, you know, we've all seen it happen with Anthony Bourdain, who was a celebrity chef, with Robin Williams, the actor. We've seen it. Uh, there was another designer that I used to follow, um, uh, Kate Spade. She also uh, committed suicide. So I had, I have been seeing this like everybody else for so long. And I, it just felt like, again, like, how could it have happened again? And, you know, simultaneously, you see people like Deepika Parukon and uh, Sid Malia talking about their experiences and their struggles and how they got better. So I was just hoping that, you know, those conversations have started to make a difference. But just seeing the news about him felt like, you know, we've taken two steps back. Yeah, and absolutely. And it was shocking that after movies like uh, MS Dhoni, he was out of work for six months. So, so since you are also a freelancer in this acting world, is the struggle to get work really so real in terms of, you know, one tends to kind of overrate uh, this entire glamour surrounding this media industry, the showbiz industry. Is there a lot of struggle inside which keeps you mentally traumatized in some way? See, from a beginner's perspective, the analogy I like to use is imagine that you have to do five interviews a week and the job that you get is only for one day. And every interview that you go to has 200 other people who are attending. Right? And you have to do that day after day after day. So as a struggler, you have no idea when your next shoot is going to be. You have no idea when you're going to get paid. There are some cases when you don't know if you're going to get paid. So those stresses are completely different than what a star goes through. From a star's perspective, I'm sure there are many factors that come into the picture in terms of getting work. So I'm sure he's gotten a thousand scripts, but it's 
what's the script that you want to do? What is the script that is going to be able to pay for you? What is the script that is going to make a difference? That's going to enhance your career. Something that's going to make sure you don't get stereotyped. So you have to think about all those things. I mean, me as a beginner, I also think about, you know, does this script portray women badly? Does this is this script going to perpetuate racism? Is this script going to, you know, further stigmatize some minority community? And if I'm thinking about that now as a struggler, I you know there are so many repercussions to your film choices as a star. I can't even imagine how much conflict he was going through. Oh, absolutely. So it is so nice that you're being candidly accepting the fact because this industry also forces you to put on a lot of pretense. You have to fake success and fake it as if uh, you're happy, you're smiling always. But on your YouTube channel, you have been a vocal advocate of the fact that it's not about uh, being always happy, being always nice, nice. You've been uh, also advocating like uh, things like body shaming. So without makeup how do you look and i think i must really commend you for that in fact i've been following you since long so uh, those things are you know these are really some things which from the outside once we go to a multiplex we watch that movie and you've acted in some movies yourself have you or shows and uh, advertisements so once that final script comes it is so nice but beyond that is there uh, a lot of hard work do you at times really feel mentally traumatized and you said about saying no to scripts when they don't meet uh, the choices that you make in terms of the larger thing. And that also means risking being out of work. So then that leads to further conflict in the self. Hey, I am unemployed and uh, there is this work which is not in conflict with my, which is in conflict with my value system. What do I do? Um, I think that's a, there, are, there are many points which you mentioned that I'm going to try to address in no particular order. But I think the biggest fear for any actor um, is uncertainty. Now, especially if like me and there are others like me who have had, you know, nine to five salary jobs and you give that up and then you come into this freelancing gig, the uncertainty is what's most frightening. See, when you're a business owner, there is a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, you know, personal risk, business risk, financial risk. But at the end of the day, it doesn't, it's your business and you're running it every single day. But as a freelance actor, you are at the mercy of a producer and a director. So even if you are the best looking person, the most talented person, maybe your language is not correct. Maybe you have the acting experience, you have the, the language experience, but you don't have the right look. And having the right look is not just about being the most beautiful. There are these categories that you start to see when people send you casting, um, uh, casting calls. You know, you have to have a corporate look, you have to have urban look, you have to have a rural look, you have to have sweet mom, nice look, you know, young mom, rugged look. Like there are so many specifications. So it's like you can be the most talented, most brilliant actor. But if you don't fit the director's vision and you don't fit the producer's budget, you're not going to get the role. So you have to sort of step away from rejection and understand that it's not because you are lacking a certain skill or a certain talent. It's just that you are not the right fit for that script. So, you know, reconciling all those variables that are not in your control and still doing it every day, day after day. And people like Sushant Singh Rajput have been doing it for years. He hit success after so much time, right? Like people think, oh, overnight he became a success. No, overnight the movie released. But before that, they were probably shooting for six months. It was in post-production for six months. He was auditioning all throughout the, that time. He was probably working on some other shoots as well. So to us, it seems like he became an overnight success. But to him, it was probably just, you know, 
years of hard work finally paying off at some point absolutely and you've been a uh, a vocal advocate also of the fact that we need to shed this uh, social stigma surrounding depression so tell us more about your views on this like you know there is a lot of people don't want to admit the fact that they are depressed because in hushed tones people are going to say are isko depression hai bhai batana maybe if you tell your employer they're going to fire you from the job so there is a lot of this and that's really sad i think there's two levels to it one is understanding and admitting that you might have a problem because depression is not like physical pain right like when you if you physically injure your knee or your shoulder you're going to feel that stabbing pain but depression is like it's like you know you start having a headache one day and then the headache doesn't go away and then after 6 months you get used to the headache then you sort of feel like okay life is like this only it's fine and then the headache just keeps increasing and increasing and increasing until one day you you can't get out of bed so it's such a slow process of falling into depression that it's really hard to recognize that you're going through it so i think that's something i struggled with for years i blamed external circumstances for years before i admitted that maybe i need help so that is one level is admitting that maybe you need help and a lot of people think that you have to be suicidal or you have to be hurting yourself or you have to be crying every day in order to seek help but that's absolutely not true losing a job losing a relationship losing a family member or a friend each of these things is a valid reason to go to therapy even if you have no reason and you've just been feeling sad for a period of a month or two months my psychiatrist says if there's a persistent feeling of sadness for more than two weeks like for two weeks continuously you don't feel happy then you should seek help so that's one level the so like you wake up is, in the morning and say uh, why am i feeling so dejected you feel so lost that you yeah. don't want to get out of bed is that the feeling yeah. which for two weeks if someone has is it depression you like nothing makes you laugh nothing makes you happy like depression to me feels like you know you can win the nobel prize and you'll say okay whatever it doesn't matter you can also hear about a family member dying and you can think okay whatever doesn't matter but at the same time that same depression that makes you numb to something else if you like you know if you're putting on your button and the button falls off you'll break down and cry so it's just a very it's a very it's a very different experience for everybody it's a different experience every day so reconciling the fact that what you're feeling is not normal and it's not okay and that you can get better is the first step this log kya kahenge problem is a whole other situation which you know it just it as you said it equates to crazy it equates to you know oh she's problematic or they are problematic but you know if you tell someone that you have chronic back pain they'll say oh that's that's horrible you know i i hope you feel better that's literally all you have to say to someone if they have depression it's the same as any physical ailment it is just because certain sections of your brain are not working the way they're supposed to the same way when you have a muscle spasm or you have a joint problem certain sections of your body are not working the way they're supposed to that's it and uh, you know i was just going through some statistics even uh, during courtship people don't disclose to their spouses that they are having mental issues which further leads on to maybe divorce or something like that and uh, people are not wanting to tell to their employers that they have uh, this issues for the fear of being laid off what are your views on that um in terms of relationships i would say i have had my fair share of problems in relationships because of my uh, mental health issues but part of that is for me to fix and take responsibility and correct on on my own for myself so that i don't spill over to someone else but then to the other person you have to be willing to 
meet the person halfway. Like for me, for example, um, I have borderline personality disorder, which affects relationships quite a lot. So one thing that my psychiatrist makes me do is if I'm starting to have a serious relationship with someone, if I've been with them for maybe six months or more, then he asks them to come into the session with me. So what happens in this disorder? Uh, borderline personality disorder is a collection of many different things, suicidal tendencies, uh, you know, fluctuating self-worth and self-image, uh, dissociation, um, impulsive behavior. It has a lot of uh, different. So you're laughing effects. at one time and maybe suddenly f- uh, during the conversation only suddenly getting very impulsive and starting shouting at your partner. So those kind of things. Also yeah, happen. emotions are very uh, touchy. But you can learn to uh, recover from so it. So you take your partner also to your therapy sessions. Uh, is it then? Yeah, so that's what my psychiatrist recommends. If you're with someone for long enough and you think that it's a serious relationship, then you can bring them in so that the doctor can help them understand where I'm coming from and help them equip themselves to manage if I'm having a bad day. Like if I'm having a panic attack or if I'm having an anxiety attack, what can my partner do for me? So a lot of people say, you know, like, just feel better. Why are you screaming? Why are you shouting? Like, why are you crying? Just stop crying. Like, that's not going to help me when I'm having anxiety. But the doctor can equip the partner to say, you know, if she's going through this, make sure you give her this medication, give her this water, make her lie down, put on the fan, don't say anything, let her cry it out. If you need something, call me, etc. They can give them a plan of action to do relationships. Uh, with the employers, as you said, I think any employer that discriminates based on mental uh, disorders is basically ableist. It's the same as denying someone a job because uh, they're a pregnant woman or because they are uh, in a wheelchair. So I think that is, you know, when they say that they don't discriminate who they hire, this has to be included in that list. Oh, absolutely. And uh, a lot of youngsters watch this particular show in the age group of like 18 to 30. And this is one challenging age today because of social media, the pressure to succeed, exams, you fail in exams, interviews, you don't crack interviews, and then personal relationship issues, there are breakups. So this entire generation, how does it cope with mental health issues? Uh, What would be your prescriptive? Uh, in terms of should they go for medical help soon because you know taking medicines also has its own share uh, of problems because you don't feel like getting up Uh, most of the psychiatrists without uh, doing some sort of a counseling they straight away prescribe you some uh, sleep medicines which uh, and I have experienced it myself it becomes very difficult to even wake up from the bed the next day so then what would be your uh, prescription one from a uh, thought process perspective, exam, stress, the rat race, money, fame, everyone of us wants it. And what do we do? So there are two things that I've learned in therapy that helped me with this, with the sort of societal pressure issue. One is drawing your circle of control. So you have to be able to clearly differentiate what is in your control and what is not in your control. What is in your control is the work that you do, is the reactions that you have, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your energy. What's not in your control is how other people act, other people's success or failures, gossip about you, you know, whether someone else is getting married or having kids or whatever it might be. Those things are not in your control. So you have to learn to focus on what's in your control. How are you spending today? How are you spending tomorrow? What are your long-term goals? What are you doing to reach those long-term goals? So that separation is one thing that helps. The other thing is called mindfulness, which is being present like this is something that a lot of spiritual leaders talk about it's talked about in a lot of spirituality books it's basically this is something that my doctor reminded me to do recently when i had a mid lockdown meltdown basically he just said you know when was the last time you enjoyed doing something 
I said, no, I feel like I'm doing all these things that I should be doing. Like I should be exercising. I should be dieting. I should be working hard and I'm doing all those things, but I'm not doing anything that's just for the sake of feeling happy. He said, okay, just order whatever dinner you want today. Just take a break from your diet. Don't watch TV. Don't listen to music. Don't listen. Don't, you know, distract yourself in any way. Just focus on the taste of that food in your mouth. Enjoy it. Focus on it. Remind yourself, you know, about all these happy feelings that come with that moment. And you have to do that as much as possible in any given day. So usually all of us are bombarding ourselves with, you know, there's music playing in the background. There's a podcast, there's a TV show. But take the time to like, this is something I also struggle with. Switch that off and just pay attention to what you're doing, whether you're brushing your teeth or you're folding your clothes. Just be here and now because that focuses your attention rather than allowing it to wander on a hundred different things. Yeah. And I am also sometimes, you know, I get weighed by the burden of expectations. So I'll upload a video and then the next four or five hours are just counting who has, how many people have commented, how many views have people shared it. And then the days it goes well, it is fine. But then if it is not, then it becomes a trauma. So how does one cope up with that, those kind of aspects? So that's something I struggle with also because, you know, so much of my work is content related. Um, for me, I just tell myself, you know, if I have a photo or a video that does not hit the number of, that does not hit the average views, I tell myself, you know what, it's okay because even if one person laughed, or even if one person gained something out of it, or even if one person commented or one person messaged me, that's enough. Because that is more than what I would have achieved if I had not uploaded the video at all. So one comment, one like, one message is still more comments, more likes, more messages than if I had just stopped uploading. And so that gives me the motivation to keep uploading. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you have to, you know, reset your internal baselines because society will say, Are uh, you uploaded a video, it didn't get views only. It was just 400 views and then they will all the more. And I think society gets a sadistic pleasure in making us uh, feel reminded about our failures. No, this role of society, how, what has been your experience? Because you've been uh, into freelancing. So there would be like months where you've raked in a lot of money and maybe like two months in a stretch, you've not got money. Then you would have then compared yourself with your salaried uh, life in the US, maybe where you're drawing a fixed sum. And then even your own near and dear ones would have been said, hey, Urvashi, wouldn't you think you would be better off in the salaried world here? You're struggling every day. So then uh, your internal self, uh, how do you reconcile that thing? So there's an old story about uh, this. I don't know the exact details, but this sort of big shot businessman, businessman comes across a fisherman in a boat. And the fisherman is just lounging there in the boat and he's chilling. He's minding his business. So this businessman goes and says, no, why aren't you working harder? So he says, you know, I've caught enough fish for today. I can feed my family. I can sell this much. I'm done. He said, okay, why don't you, but why don't you do more? Like if you, if you work even harder, you can get even more fish. Then you can, you know, sell even more. You can make more money. So the fisherman turns around and says, okay. And then after that, what? He says, oh, then you can build assets and you can expand your business. And he says, okay, then what? Then he says, oh, then you can retire and chill and enjoy your life. The fisherman says, well, I'm already enjoying my life. So, I mean, what's the point? So that's something that I, I tell myself a lot is that, you know, maybe I'm not sitting on a beach, you know, somewhere in Mauritius and reading my book, but I'm sitting in my room with a fan on and I'm reading my book and that's fine because the people who are going to Mauritius and sitting there and reading their book, they have worked for 50 weeks to get two weeks off. I might have only two weeks of work 
but i can use the other time to do things that i want to do i'm not earning that kind of money and of course this is hugely dependent on privilege because my family is not expecting money from me i don't have a husband or kids to be taking care of i don't have anyone who's financially dependent on me which is why i have the luxury to give all this gyan but still it's like if you have that luxury then why force yourself when you're already happy and i think uh, since your happiness is internally driven then you kind of become immune to what lok kya kahenge so otherwise so their job is to make you feel bad i think uh, so what can the final also huh? Yeah, sorry sorry to interrupt but one thing i forgot to add is people will only put someone else down to feel better about themselves because if i get to put you down then i am better than you so that it only comes from a place like for me for example sonam kapoor has no reason to turn around and say oh my god would wish your videos are so terrible because she has no lena dena with my videos at all but some random person who's never made a video in their life will comment and say this is a terrible video because they want to feel better about themselves yeah so it's so much happens that person will say the background is not good the lighting today was not fine i was not able to hear it and i says like what man you never tried to go get up and do something yeah that is uh, what uh, really and uh, so in terms of the regime what does your uh, psychologist uh, prescribe uh, in terms of exercising and you said about mindfulness which is a very good exercise that you just focus on the thing and do they also prescribe like regular physical workouts uh, to get you those positive hormones to cope up with this i actually have a stack of worksheets that is this thing that i have accumulated over the 3 years that my doctor has given me for every situation so if i'm feeling particu- if i feel like i'm slipping into depression like you know 4 5 days without feeling happy then i have a stack of things stack of worksheets for that if i'm feeling anxious just if i'm feeling like my emotions are out of control if i'm feeling like a panic is setting setting in then i have separate exercises for that so those are i don't have a general solution because everybody needs something different because everyone's strength and weakness is different so for me basically the main things are if i'm feeling overwhelmed i meditate for even if it's just for 10 minutes i try to exercise every day because it helps me sleep the positive emotions and the physical changes are a bonus but i literally exercise only so that i can sleep well at night because that lack of sleep is something that really it just snowballs into the rest of my life so those are the two main things and um i try to make sure i do a little bit of work and a little bit of chill time every day and one question since you are a model uh, like my daughters also have and they are young but yeah my 7 year daughter she also wants to put up put up makeup to look good and you can imagine my wife she spent like half an hour when we go out to an event just to look good so there is this entire pressure to look good uh, so how does one you know and let's say you're not blessed with some great looks uh, and that can also be a reason for a lot of uh, people to feel very low about themselves your quick uh, take on that so as long as you're using makeup to feel better than how you're feeling that's fine but if you're feeling horrible and you're using makeup to feel neutral then there's a problem if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're happy and you're like you know i just want to be extra shiny and you want to put on makeup that's fine and celebrate your beauty and enhance your beauty that already exists but you have to know and acknowledge that this eyeliner is you know it's it's accentuating the beautiful eyes that i already have or this foundation is is enhancing how i already look if you view makeup from that lens i think it's perfectly fine but if you are becoming dependent on makeup to say that 
I'm ugly without this, then that's problematic. You should be able to look at yourself in the mirror with or without makeup and still feel good. There's nothing wrong with dressing up. Everyone likes dressing up and feeling nice and, you know, going out and feeling good about yourself. As long as it's not a crutch. Like if you're feeling like, you know, you can't even open the door for a delivery person without having a full face of makeup, then maybe you should think about why you're using makeup. And we have a lot of uh, aspirants who take like the chartered accountancy exams, company secretary exams or the CAT exams or an MBA and let's say they're not able to crack it. Then how do you, you know, uh, gather that entire courage together for the next exam? Like, uh, it's like a slap in the face, right? A failure. And then people say, Are, tum nahi ho. you don't study hard and that is why you failed. So as a student, as a youngster, how does one cope up with that? Exam so- failure. It's like, it's like learning any new skill, right? The first time you, you try to juggle, if you try to juggle three balls, you're going to drop it. It's okay. You're going to drop it the first time. I understand with exams, you've been studying for months, but there is a difference between absorbing information and ex- retrieving information. That retrieval of information skill set is completely different than the absorption of information. So maybe if you, if you feel like you've studied so much and you know all this information, but it just doesn't come out in the exam, then maybe you need to do more practice exams. Maybe you need to develop the skill of retrieving the information after you've absorbed it. Some people just get nervous in exams, right? Like there are so many different reasons why you might have failed. So it's more important to think about why you fail and make that correction rather than view failure as a be all and end all. Like a failure in one exam does not mean that you as a human being are a failure. And this is some gyan that I give very freely, but I don't apply it to myself ever. (laughs) But I'm putting it out there because I need to remind myself of this also. A failure of one action is not, does not equal you as a human being being a failure. So view it as something, one small thing that you did that went wrong rather than you as a human being are wrong. If you were to be, my final question, if you were to be put in charge of society, like the movie Nayak, where he becomes a chief minister for one day, to combat uh, this entire uh, epidemic of sorts, mental health, what would you do on that given day? This is my final question to you, Urvashi. Every student and every individual in, that's employed in a company, every single person has to mandatorily go for therapy once a week. Yeah, therapy is really... And uh, you need to have a good therapy also, a therapist also, I must yeah, tell you. But you know, so there are some therapists that are, you think positive to chill pill, uh, maro, yeah, don't take load. As if I have a, a very good pension, na? I wake up in the morning and I take up pension. There are some sort of those kind of therapists also. But yeah, some good seasoned therapist is what uh, can really make life different. Great. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Urvashi. You really shared your thoughts in a very candid manner. And uh, for the ones... Uh, for watching this show and you've come so far. I mean, it's an attention deficit young uh, generation, but we've come so far. Please go to her channel also. There's a lot more content on mental health that she's been espousing. And it's really wonderful uh, to have you on the show, Urvashi. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for considering me and for having me also. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks.